listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Welcome to the show. It's the Fred Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar science. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> My name is Eric. Uh, this this intro this, is so tired. This is how we get our levels. It's I'm a right. luthier. My name's Eric. Hey, this is Nat. How's Hi. it going, Nat? It's going dang good. Just got back from Thanksgiving. Greetings. Greetings will, to you. Thank you. I will read the listener's submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can. Drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. What is on your bench lately, mm-hmm. Eric? Oh, I re—I just rewound a uh, an old DeArmond uh, monkey on a stick pickup today. Oh, man. I tried to buy one of those. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, because I looked on eBay because that's a searchable term. You know, I just... I. I'm just noticing now that my windscreen has gone from my microphone. It could get and I rad. And I popped in the thing. Let me pause this. Hold on. Yeah, I got a button. All right, anyhow, mm-hmm. I'm back. I'm back with a windscreen. Oh, it sounds a lot better. Now, oh, yeah. You did a Yarman <laughs> and it had a monkey on a stick. Well, you know what I'm talking about? The archtop yeah. pickups that they mount to the... Clear down. Yeah, they if mount it, to the tailpiece or the strings mm-hmm. down there, and it's just a crazy thing. And run thing. up all the way to right where the yeah, fretboard starts. On a stick. I tried to get one for that K that's in pieces. Oh, that guitar. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sorry. Oops. Uh, but, you know, you wouldn't believe how difficult it is to rewind one of those because if you open it up, it's it's a... <laughs> it's really not serviceable in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Pretty thin. They, um, the bobbin that holds the magnet, that holds everything together, that mm-hmm. holds the wire and the magnet all together is cardboard about like an old school matchbook. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or like a business card. Yeah. And it's 70 years old. Yeah. So it's 70-year-old cardboard that you're going to you're gonna take it out of there and rewind it? So you can't. Yeah. That's like getting toothpaste back in the tube. So what you have to do on, and, and you see this a lot on like Japanese pickups, like gold foil weird, you know, pickups that... They don't really have a bobbin. What they have is a a couple of thin pieces of cardboard glued to a magnet. Whoa. Yeah, and that makes a bobbin. <clears throat> it's a little magnet sandwich. Okay. So like two business cards yeah. glued to the top and bottom of a magnet, and then you've got to stick that on your <clears throat> uh, pickup winder somehow. Yeah. Right? With double-sided tape or something. Because there's no way to bolt it on. There's no, no. separate... There's because there's no not much structure. Right? There's a very little structure, right? Yeah, 
So I had to I had to make a little cardboard bobbin and, and wind it today, and it was frustrating. It's very frustrating, and you can't really charge. You know, like I what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. because it takes you three hours. You had to reinvent that wheel. But um, you can't charge for three. Man, maybe I should. Maybe I should charge for three hours of labor on it. Well, if you do, someone may write in and say, why'd you change the rules after the fact, you know? Yeah. Kind of fraught. What else? What, got what else? Guitars? Uh, what else is on my bench? I've got a blonde. Oh, boy. Tea style and a butterscotch tea style that are. Custom get getting fiddles, ready. Huh? They'll be ready here and uh, here before the holiday. Oh boy! Yeah. And so, is it a? They're both black pit guards. No, the butterscotch one will have black bakelite, and the blonde one will have like an off-white, lovely white pit guard. Oh yeah. boy! A white guard and a black guard, basically. Yep. That sounds just about right. So those should be done soon. They're in the aging process right now. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That what, sounds cool. What else do I have going on? I can't even remember. Well, it's been snowy. Just random odds and ends. I've been uh, uh, Christmas shopping a lot. Yeah? How about you? Doing I, any Christmas shopping? I did. I went to the thrift store and... <laughs> Buy some nice used items for your children. I actually did. That's no joke. But I think uh, my daughter, who uh, wouldn't listen to a guitar thing, I think she's going to enjoy it. I did. I did some internet Christmas shopping and did quite well. Oh, good. And it's nice when that's kind of, when you find something that is going to be well received, that's a great feeling. Yeah. Oh, I got snow tires on two cars right before the snow got really bad. Do you you do that every year? We've talked yeah. about this be- before. I love it. Snow tires, man. So do you just like keep the yeah. snow tires in your garage? Mounted on wheels. Yep. And And outside a little bit under the eave. And, uh, yep, run down to the place, say, put these on. They got a guy. I think most people just get all-terrain. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I get full-on snow tires, winter tires. And they have, like, little metal studs in them, don't they? I've had those. Uh, I don't have any of those right now. But, yes, I have in the past. It's good for ice. But modern snow tires are great on ice. You can hardly get rowdy in the church parking lot with the parking brake. Because my car, my... Dodge Durango mm-hmm. is all over the road. Yeah, it's a little squirrely, huh? And the tires are like four-year-old. Yeah, you know, Sears weather beaters. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not great. Tires make a big difference. Man, maybe I should do that. Yeah, How much is it. it to get a set of snow tires? Like five hundred bucks? Uh, I don't know. For a big old Durango, it could be 600? considerable hundreds each. Yeah, we might have to run by the Costco. It's too much. Yeah, I buy them used. You know what I'm Guitar cheap. News. That was a good segue. We're going right into Guitar News. <laughs> yes. oh, I, I got tired of tires. I, you're right. Sorry. Everyone else did. 150-year-old Martin Guitar mm-hmm. was sold to the ex-CEO of Fender. Oh. Yeah. So this is an oh, unusual story. So yeah. not to like private equity or some terrible firm, Anheuser-Busch. In bed or whatever. Yeah. And the proceeds apparently will fund cancer treatment. How do you like proceeds that? Proceeds of what? Wow. Uh, there was a 150 year old Martin guitar sitting for decades in an wow. Auckland, Auckland, New, New Zealand, Zealand woman's back room. 
beautiful this time of year. And the guitar is on its way to the United States, uh, to its new home, the uh, uh, former Fender CEO, Larry Thomas. Mm, never heard of him. Margaret Simpson made the decision to sell the antique after her daughter, Joe Simpson, was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer and had to start uh, unfunded chemotherapy oh, treatment. Oh, no. Yeah. It was costing $5,000 a month. Oh, man. What does a 150-year-old Martin look like? Uh, there's a picture of it right here. I, I wish that they had, you know, you can tell whoever wrote this article isn't into guitars. Yeah. Because there's nothing about, like, okay, what model of guitar yeah, what is What kind it? of wood we got? A photograph is ex- exposed for the sunlight patch on the floor, what? not the guitar. Yeah, what model is it? What year is it? Uh, oh, look. Hey, does that say oh, here size it is. 2, style 34? It's a size 2 Martin, style 34, built circa 1870, which That's experts appraised yeah, tiny at, little cute thing. at 15,000. Well, great. Yeah. It's a cute little guitar, man. Yeah. Oh, it's got bound neck? Yeah, bound neck, bound body. Wow. Yeah, it's very cool. That's a neat size. Uh, The money will go towards keeping Joe Simpson uh, in chemotherapy meds, apparently. That's good. I don't know, kind of a cool story. I don't know. Kind of a mixed story. It caught my eye. There you go. Man, here's another. Oh, do you want to read this headline? Well, I'm worried that they got a picture of me. Man accused of pawning guitar stolen from Nashville Music Studio. I guess this happened so rarely that they had to make a big deal. <laughs> you <laughs> don't know? think it's Like that no one's rare. ever stolen a guitar from a Nashville studio. My gosh, it's national news. Yeah. Uh, here's, a, here's a picture of his pickup truck, just in oh, case yeah. you see it on the road. You never see an F-150. This, this news story, I don't know, man. This is this national news, huh? This internet? Uh, they <clears throat> Nashville detectives are working to identify a man who they say pawned a stolen guitar using another person's ID. <laughs> this is... Strange. The classical acoustic guitar was stolen from a Bell Forest Circle music studio. He stole a classical guitar, man. I thought it was a rare guitar. Like a newsworthy type Yeah, guitar? I guess not. Yeah, that's too bad. All right, moving on. Yeah. I just want to do some guitar news because I have nothing else to talk about. Well... We could talk about... Uh, I've been watching episodes of Columbo. Yeah, I noticed you got into that. Ooh, I saw... Uh, Johnny Cat, uh, Johnny Johnny Carson, interviewing Jack Benny and Mel Blank. Oh yeah, I saw that too. I should have done told you about it. It was great. I've been watching old Johnny Carson on YouTube. Yeah, I know. And there's not a ton of it because oh, I think his estate tries to kind of put the old control that yeah. because they sell DVDs or something. Yeah. It was cool. Those guys were old school, and Jack Benny was rather critical. <laughs> yeah. Man, Jack Benny. <laughs> no, no, Benny. no. Do this. Remember this bit? He's start awesome. start to do it yeah. dutifully. No, no, no. Like this. Remember? You say, no. I say. <laughs> kind of like me with this podcast. Yeah. No, Nat, do it this way. See. Gibson's new digital amp. Oh, this this can't end well. Yeah. Gibson's new digital amp on the go. Only needs your phone to work. Mm. No, no noise, mm. no cables, and supposedly no delay in audio. Boy. Okay. 
What's wrong with what amps? could go wrong? Well, and really, doesn't this seem like we're complicating something we're that was going already way simple? Out of our way, yeah. We've got amps. Like it used to just all, all you needed was a cable. Yeah. Now you need a a smartphone and Bluetooth device. Yeah, several. Yeah, amps work okay. All right, we still got to play the thing too. With the new digital amp feature on the Gibson app. Oh, it's an app. Oh yeah. All you need is your phone and your guitar to get started. That's not really newsworthy either. So does. We so do you need these do you need a special do you need a special Gibson that yeah, has like a Bluetooth broad, chip in it? Some tooths over there. I don't know. I don't know if the public is clamoring for us to even find out at this point. According to Gibson, the virtual amp works by listening via the oh. mic on your Apple device. Oh. It then amplifies the signal and adds effects to your playing, producing a guitar tone that can be heard through your headphones or connected speaker. Well, that's slightly innovative. I guess See so. that? Okay. Since there's supposedly no delay in audio, the experience mimics that of playing with a physical amp. It does. So if you bought a $1,000 smartphone... Stay with me. You could play it, and the sound would come out your smartphone or this this if device. If smartphones had, or you could just buy an amp. Had a headphone out. They don't even have a headphone out no, anymore. They don't anymore. It's all magic. Weird. Acoustic players can choose uh, between different microphone settings. Like Ooh. dynamic ribbon and condenser mics. Oh, along an array of choices alongside various effects presets such as clean, spirit, moon, hey, and eighties. Okay, you brought me back in. For electric guitarists, the digital amp offers clean, crunch, heavy, and lead oh, amp yeah. options, all of which come with your standard gain, bass, mids, treble, presence, and master controls. Oh, so it's an app on your phone. It's a virtual deal. It's a virtual amp. Is it free? The free, okay, the free version of the app comes with oh, five version. lessons a day. Five lessons a day? Yeah, I don't even do one, man. God, that's about all anybody could handle. How much are they going to pay me to do a lesson? The premium version, which offers unlimited access. Oh, yeah. So if you need more than five lessons a day, yeah, it'll cost you $20 a month. Well. Or $120 for a year. Okay. That's a bargain. So it's a virtual amp and lessons. Well, so is there like a long-haired dude with a that shows with you, a mustache that shows you how to shows play? Shows you some things. Yeah, it shows you some shred. Or does it just like light up the notes like a fret light guitar? Well, I'm guessing we'll never know. For now, the app is only available on iOS. What's that? That's do you the even know? Apple deal on them Apple phones. What, is, what do you mean a, deal, Apple deal? It's the operating system like a for Apple telephones. Oh, it's an operating system for yeah. Apple phones. Okay. Uh -huh. The Gibson says that an Android version is currently in the works. That's the other ones. That's any phone that's not an Apple? More or less, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, kind of a duopoly. I don't really mess around with the phones mm -mm. much. Mm -mm. You don't need to. Okay, this is from guitar.com then I swear we're going to move on. <laughs> <clears throat> this is so painful. Dave Mustaine's Guitar Tech appears to show first look at signature Gibson Les Paul. What do you mean appears? I don't like know. Like he does it? Very. Allegedly? It's it's some kind of magic you. trick. We're not hiring people that through sleight of hand. Anymore. 
Look at that, Dave Mustaine still got all that hair. Yeah. Dang it. Good for him. He was in... Uh, Sucktalica. That one band, Metallica. Yeah. The partnership between Mustaine and Gibson has thus far produced his Gibson Flying V signature and a Gibson Acoustic and an upcoming Gibson Explorer signature. Okay. Model. So... Right on. Fans of Dave Mustaine can buy... All the different uh, Dave Mustaine signature models. We were just talking about uh, how having too many choices in life is yeah. actually a bad thing. Like you go to buy, you go to buy Oreos at the supermarket, and it used to just be there's just a blue package, mm-hmm. and it said Oreos. Maybe generic, also. Oh yeah, there might be a generic, Maybe. like a store brand. Yeah. So those were your two choices. Mm-hmm. Now you go to buy Oreos bewildering array man it's just it's overwhelming paradox of choice and we don't handle it well they've got giant ones they've got overstuffed ones they got they've thin got ones they got yeah flavored ones they got triple mm-hmm. triple decker ones mm-hmm. why uh, because they can they don't think if they should and we were talking about how you what, what were you telling me yeah you know uh, this it, uh, among this bewildering array of choices we just get so bewildered, <laughs> and it's and and, it, and we need to lock on to one choice and move on for happiness. Yeah. Instead of keeping our options open and maintaining a fear of missing out. Yeah. At all times. And Oreos is a good example of that. But if you think about it, it just applies to everything in life. Whoa! Not only, you know. Uh, Cookies and snacks. And mustards. <laughs> but guitars. Mm-hmm. If you go to buy a Gibson guitar, how many damn Les Pauls do they have? They got several. Like, Les Paul was already a signature model. Yeah. So they but got, now they have this the Slash signature Les yeah. Paul, and the, the Dave and Mustaine. Slash probably has four or five of them. It's getting ridiculous. Yep. And then, you know, once the novelty wears off... That hedonic treadmill starts right back up again, and you need another slash Les Paul. Or Fender. You know, I just got the uh, 2023 Vintage Guitar Price Guide. Oh. And you can look up whatever brand guitar, and it'll have kind of, uh, like, at the beginning, you look up Fender, you look up Stratocaster. At the beginning of the Stratocaster section, it will list all the different iterations of the Stratocaster. flavors. Now, you would be... Astounded, I'd be bewildered to see it's like three pages long. Yeah, and I don't know them either. It's lost on me. Not even nobody knows them. Okay, they had to compile them into a book, and some yeah. of them are short-lived, and some of. And I wish. Here's what I really would like to see happen. I wish some purist, oh, would buy Fender, like Elon Musk. If you're listening. <laughs> He's a purist, eh? Well, I just uh, okay. I don't know. Diogenes I don't know with his lamp. We want <laughs> I don't one know. purist to to redeem Fender. Somebody could buy Fender and just scrap the last fifty years of stupidity. Yeah, that's been going on down there, and have a Telecaster, yeah, a Stratocaster, a Jazzmaster, a Jaguar. A P bass, a J bass. No. 
and then the, the offset, the, <laughs> all the offset junior models. Yeah, you know? the, the Mustangs. The goof models. Yeah. What are they, like the... Duo Sonic or whatever. Yeah, and the Jaguar, Jazzmaster. You bet. But, uh, like, that that's already a great lineup. Yeah. You don't need 300 versions of the Jaguar. Yeah, you got to just keep producing and producing. And that's when I read about Dave Mustaine's the Gibson signatures. It's like, okay, well, that's great for the three people that are going to buy that. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Let's read some questions, shall yeah, we? I don't know what the net benefit is. Let me try this one. Oh, hold on. I think I have yeah, hit uh, a, button. a thing to, yeah. to play that, that's going to... Oh, wait a minute. Hold the phone. Try a different one. You know what? Uh-huh. Do it. Segway. We have a call. It's a telephone. Hey, Eric. This is Brandon calling from the cornfields of Indiana. Great. Long time listener. It's been a minute since I sent in a voicemail or a question. Uh, congratulations on the Solid Sound book. We got my Thank copy you. recently. And... Uh, Really enjoying uh, looking through it. Haven't spotted anything up yet, but I'm sure I will be in the days to come. Um, I got a hold of an old uh, silver tone arch top from the late 50s uh, from a lady at church, mm. and um, it's just been sitting for a while. And the neck was starting to separate at the heel, and um, I'm in the process of attempting. Uh, a reset on that. I know that these guitars usually aren't worth a ton of labor, and that's why I'm using it to learn on. Um, and uh, the legendary Keith Carey, who I've gotten acquainted with through the uh, Truth About Vintage Amps podcast and the Facebook group connected to that community, uh, helped me with the process of getting the neck off. And so I have the oh, neck off. Good. And, uh, and that's, that's the easy part. Gone well. And um, when I, I haven't done any sanding yet to um, rework the angle uh, of where the the neck heel lays up against the the, the top side of the body. Uh, I know that's part of uh, adjusting the angle. But what I'm curious about two things, and I'd love your advice on any of this, just to kind of steer me in the right direction as I experiment and learn. Um, one is I've never worked with a glue pot and hot hide glue, and I'm I'm kind of prepared for the fact that this may be the the project to uh, get acquainted with that. Cool. Um, but I wondered if you had any opinions about the bottled uh, hide glue product and whether that would even be worth attempting, um, just to give me a little bit more set time, or if I should just go for it with the uh, the glue pot. And my other question is shimming up under the fingerboard and um, the best way, the best point in the process to do that, what to use as a piece of shim material um, as I get it all kind of put back together. So look forward to any advice that you might have. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. I uh, uh, have talked about the, the shelf-stable hide glue before, the liquid form hide glue store-bought stuff that you can buy you know you can buy it at like wood supply stores like wood crafters or whatever um i don't like it oh they have to add some kind of retardant to it 
to keep it from setting when it's in the bottle. Oh. And that yeah. gives you a longer set time. Yeah. But it has, A, it has a very short shelf life. And B, it um, isn't as strong a bond. It's not as good a, of glue. So I really don't recommend it. I understand the temptation because it's so easy. It's so easy. But the the hot hide glue pot <clears throat> really isn't easy. It's just that if you haven't done it before, it seems daunting. But it's actually quite easy. All you have to do is make sure you're um, in the right temperature range. And how cheap is a thermometer? Well... I don't know. You need a candy thermometer for that thing? What do you do? So, yeah, I use um, a little, I've got a digital oh, like thermometer. Oh, thermometer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I've got a couple of, um, like, yeah, I think they're meat thermometers because I think the range on candy thermometers is higher. Huh. I don't remember. But, yeah, you want the glue to be in the 145 degree range. Oh, when you when advice. you use it, and it's not that hard. I use an old. Um, I used to use like a double boiler thing to do this, but uh, I use now. I use a little pot that is made for melting wax. Yeah, and like I think smelly, it's for smelly candle. I wax, think right? it's actually for salons, like. Oh. Ladies dip their hands in or their fingertips in wax or something, and then peel off the wax or the, for your fingernails or something. Like I don't know. Glue, huh? it's, it's a tiny little crock pot looking thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 All right. Find yeah. one of those. But it has an adjustable dial on the front, and um, it's really easy to do. I keep uh, the glue in a mason jar and fill the pot with water. And then put the mason jar, the glass jar, yeah. full of glue in there. So it's still kind of like a double boiler. But before you put your glue in there, you can just put water in there and turn it on and wait a while and put have your thermometer in there and see what setting. If, like in my case, there's not numbers on the dial. It's like, you know, low, medium, and high. Mm -hmm. So I had to find where 145 degrees was on the dial. But that's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. Now, what do you do with excess glue, or, or is that a concern? Um, you can uh, let it cool. So I only make a little bit at a time. Okay. Just, you know, like a spoonful. You mix it with water, equal weights of water and glue, and because uh, and the glue comes in, like, granulated form. It looks like... Pellet deals. It looks like sugar in the raw or something. Oh, yeah. You know? Sounds good. Uh, and... If you have leftover, you just put it in the fridge, and then you can use it, I don't know, within a month, I guess. I don't know how long. It probably would last longer than that. But you try to make about what you need. Uh, yeah. And I know Frank Ford says he, he'll he he'll uh, mix up glue in ice cube trays and then put it in the freezer and then just grab a, grab a chunk when he needs a, 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 a chunk. And he, he claims it keeps in the freezer for a long time. Hmm. So I don't know. All right. But uh, it's super easy. It's really, it just takes a little bit of equipment that you probably don't have right now. And you just buy it and do it. 
if you want to go nuts and if you're rich, you can buy a glue pot from one of the luthier supply places, but it's going to be about six times what a, you know, whatever that thing is. Yeah. The (laughs) thing that melts wax. Yeah. Because the temperature is exactly what you want. Yeah. Because wax um, ignites if it gets too hot. So those wax melting pots don't get that hot because they go crazy either. They'll start a fire. Yep. There you go. Oh, hold on. This is, man. And by the way, that's a great question. And that's how you do it, people. Oh, he also asked shimming the fingerboard. Yes. Um, did he say this is an arch top? Yeah. Yeah. Arch top harmony. Uh, I have different veneers that I will reach for and use. Um, because really you're only using just a thin, really just thin strip of wood here. Uh, I would probably use a maple veneer to do that on that guitar. Hmm. And if you have to make it wedge-shaped, you can do that. Um, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll glue <clears throat> a big um, rectangle veneer of onto the fingerboard extension, and then after the glue dries, I'll take a chisel and and taper it back to nothing. Whoa. Yeah, so that it's a wedge shape. That sounds skilled, so no sandpaper trick or anything. You, you can. Use, you can use oh. sandpaper, but it's just chisel, a, a really sharp and it just woodworking chisel is so much faster. Wow. And more precise, I think. That's some luthery. Yeah. Well, that's great. All righty. I think that answers it. That was a great call. Appreciate that. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, Eric. Hi. When doing a traditional neck reset on an acoustic guitar... Wow, another neck reset question. Yeah, we could have spaced them out. Which comes first? Streaming... Oh, I'm sorry. Steaming the neck joint or loosening the fingerboard extension from the top? Oh, what order do you do those in? Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Which comes first? Steaming the neck joint? Yep. We're loosening the fingerboard extension from yep. the top. Uh, I actually do them kind of staggered. So what I'll do is I will remove that uh, the fret that's just one fret clear of the of the body there, or you know, one one, one fret in, one, or... one fret in from where the neck meets the body, mm-hmm. depending on how many uh, f- frets your neck is. Whether you've got a twelve fret or a fourteen fret, it's it will depend on which fret that is. But um, you drill two holes in there and steam that joint uh, in the dovetail there. And what I do is I steam the joint and then loosen the fingerboard extension and then go back to steaming the joint. So, And there's no steam involved with the fingerboard extension. That's just hot knife or something? Uh, I use a... Um, some guys use like a an iron or okay uh, yeah a little bit of... I <clears throat> I use it's a crazy contraption it's actually an old freezer defroster oh I've seen it looks like a an electric fly swatter or something yeah it looks like a some kind of weird uh, waffle iron from yeah. outer space mm-hmm. but yeah I I will protect the um, anything that's not the fingerboard extension with sheets of masonite 
and then heat up the fingerboard extension also while heating up a spatula so I can yep. loosen up the thing there. But if you do, if I found, because what I used to do is the fingerboard extension first, and then what happens is when you go to steam the neck joint, you get steam coming out of the sides of the fingerboard extension. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. And so I would say um, steam the joint f- first uh, and then the fingerboard extension. And then I'll go back to, I'll put a little more steam in the joint to loosen it up the rest of the way. Huh. Have it more yeah. or less simultaneously towards the end. It's a process. Okay. That was a good answer. Let's try this one. Howdy, Eric. It seems that if the holes in a bolt-on neck aren't drilled deep enough, the screws can have a propensity to push up the fretboard. Is that right? Okay. Take that under advisement for a second. How do you prevent a ski jump on a bolt-on neck? Correct depth holes in the neck? Proper length screws? Waxed screw threads? Thanks for your comments. (coughs) Regards, Roger. Thanks, Roger. I don't have much in the way of comments because you pretty much summed it up there. Oh, yeah. He's thinking. Man, there's really not much more to it than that. Yeah, pre-drilled holes that are the proper depth. The proper length screws, of course, goes without saying. And then I put wax on the screw threads. Oh, man. What I like to do is I'll run a screw. I buy those big blocks of wax at the store, the Gulf wax or Pero wax. I don't see those. They used to use they they used to use them for canning. They did, yeah. I do yeah. remember that. But you can still buy it, um, even though they don't. You don't can with it anymore. I no, guess no that's, one's that's had gone done out that of fifty years. Yeah. Anyhow, I uh, I digress. Uh, I like to run the screw threads down that block of wax, and then I'll use a lighter, and so the wax just melts right onto the threads. Man. And that really makes the screw go in nice. Really so waxy. I'm, I melt wax. You can also use a soldering iron. Hot wax. Yeah, I melt wax onto the threads. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good there, Roger. Thanks and for it, those bullet points. That does two things. The The main thing is that it, it makes the screw going easy. But I also like the thought that it is kind of sealing up the exposed oh, wood the in there. Really exposed, yeah. You know? That is a comforting thought. Thanks, Roger. That's a good one. Hi, Eric. I have your T-style pickup reverse wound, reverse polarity set and the Solid Sound book. About to change over to your pinup four-way scheme. Oh, boy, that's a good one. Since one of the pickups is reverse wound, is the color and placement of the wire leads opposite do I read the instructions in the book reversing the colors of the neck pickup? Thank you, Eric. Hmm. That's from Eric. Oh. Yeah, if you look at the drawing, uh, uh, you'll want to just copy it exactly like the drawing is. So it'll show like a, a, a reverse wound, reverse polarity set. The, well, this is a black and white book, so... The, uh-huh. There's a black wire and a white wire, yep. <clears throat> where in real life you probably have a, well, it's probably a black and a white wire. Yeah. But you, it might Same be thing. yellow Colors. on one. Yeah. But 
Yeah, it'll show the black wire and the white wire coming off of the coils um, the opposite from each other because they're wound opposite directions, the two coils, right? So, uh, yeah, you just want to follow the exact drawing there. You don't, don't switch the, the colors, um, because they're RWRP. They, they're, uh, uh, the, the drawing accounts for that. The drawing assumes you're using reverse wound, reverse polarity pickups. Oh, it does? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anything past the, I think, the first schematic in that book assumes that you're using reverse wound, reverse polarity pickups. But <clears throat> it doesn't really... It Even if they weren't reverse wound, reverse polarity, you'd still use... You'd still use the, the black wire for the black wire and the white wire for the white wire. Um... And just follow the drawing. Yeah, as long as they're... Yeah. It's a set. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's whatever. Yeah, right. Whatever and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So reverse wound, reverse polarity, even though it has reverse in the name, is somewhat standard? Is yeah. That, uh, yeah, if you buy a set of pickups for your Telecaster, you're going to almost always, you're going to have a reverse wound, reverse polarity set from... From any maker. Huh. And same thing with a Strat set. You're going to have a reverse wound, reverse polarity middle pickup. Okay. I think I kind of knew that. Pretty standard. Interesting. Very, very standard. Yeah. Okay. Okie dokie. That's a good one. Oh, by the way, you will need to clip that ground wire uh, off of the tab of the cover of the neck pickup and add a separate ground wire, but it's that's shown in the book. Okay. That's shown in the book, so I, I assume that he doesn't have a question about that. Good to note. Well, it's not a, not a... Probably always nice to bring that up. Let's try this one. Hi, Eric. Which past or current telly or strat should I try to get an idea of how your guitar's necks feel? Huh. I like this question. The shape, I mean. And are they lacquered? Hmm? Also, do you generally make a maple fretboard, or is it sometimes rosewood? Kind regards, and as always, I hope you and your family are well. That's Ashley. Oh, yeah, Ashley's in uh, uh, Ireland, I think. Oh, is that right? Gentleman from uh, from Ireland there. Irish filler. Uh, yeah, they are lacquered, unless they're a rosewood fingerboard, in which case the the fingerboard, of course, is not lacquered. And yeah, I sometimes I use maple. Sometimes I have a rosewood fingerboard. The maple necks are solid maple. They don't have a maple fingerboard. They're solid maple. Yeah, not separate cap yeah. or something. And they are lacquered. Uh, as far as the shape goes, you know, I, I send out... So <clears throat> I send out an email when a guitar is available, and it'll say, this guitar has a soft V neck profile, or this guitar has a... Uh, a standard, a medium C hmm. neck profile. And then I used to take measurements. I guess maybe I should start doing this again. Actually measure like, okay, here's the thickness of the neck at the first fret. Here's Three the points th or thickness of the neck at the 12th fret. Yeah. <coughs> so that you can kind of get an idea. Yeah. I really don't have like a, 
make and model guitar for you to go compare it to, what I would say is if you've tried out a ton of guitars and noted what neck shapes you like and what neck shapes you don't like, then you should already kind of know what you might and might not like uh, when it comes to mine or anyone else's guitars. If you like soft feet necks, then that's good information to know. Um, So what I would say is try a bunch of different Fender-style guitars and take note of which neck you liked and then find out what the measurements are on, on that neck. Maybe it's a super slim C, maybe it's a fat, chunky baseball bat mm-hmm. neck. You know, maybe it's a soft V. You need to figure out what you like and then shop accordingly. That's that's the way I would decode that. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thank you. Okay. Let's try this one. Hi, Eric. In episode 161, remember? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, you remember that one. You had a caller, John. Now you got it? No. Who who called about having trouble fitting 70s shawler tuners to a Warmoth CBS-style neck. I think these may be the same tuners I fitted to my 73 Strat back in the 70s when modding your guitar seemed to be the thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think he's right. I recall having the same issue as John. I, fi- I filed the edges of the tuner enclosures to make them fit. They're still working fine to this day, and I even have the original box they came in. Side note, I also stripped that guitar's mm, beautiful three-toned sunburst body back in the 70s. He's got a frowny face there. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we live and learn. Yeah, we do. I hope you're traveling well, loving the show as much as ever. Oh, good. All the best from Lonely Andy, member of the Broadcaster Blend Circuit Lovers Club. Oh, dear. Is that Deniliquin? Deniliquin? Denili- oh, I remember you talking about that in episode 161. <laughs> Deniliquin, no, no, Australia. No. no, I remember you uh, pronouncing that. I really do. Yeah. Okay. Deniliquin. Uh, yeah. So... So he's just uh, confirming that, yes, this is an issue. That's yeah. a thing. And, he didn't have a question, And he right? worked through Which it. Is he's just telling yeah. us some cool stuff. I appreciate it. I appreciate the insight because yeah. sometimes you don't. You never know. Sometimes you never know if things are happening in a vacuum. Yeah, you're sending right? them out to the void, and you, you just need a little bit of... A little bit of feedback is good. Give me a little critique there. Here's, here's a little feedback from our sponsors. Send it. After these messages, we'll be right back. You know PlayersGearMusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time, but you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to PlayersGearMusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals, and sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out. Playersgearmusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. Playersgearmusic.com. Check it out. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, 
Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. It's good stuff. Let me try this. Eric, they say there are no stupid questions. Oh, that's not this show. Well, well, that's a pretty good setup. Let's see how it ends up. So I'm going to test that with this question. This is going to be so good. Why aren't split shaft tuners used on acoustic guitars? That's not a stupid question. That's a great question. It's rather arcane, and it's cool. I recently replaced the tuners on a made-in-Mexico Telecaster neck with a set of Fender's Classic Gear tuners with two-pin mounting. They're simple drop-in replacements, so you don't have to drill holes. I bought them shamelessly just because I thought they looked nice. Well, you, you weren't wrong, bud. When I strung up the guitar, though, I learned how simple it is to string a guitar with split shaft tuners. It got me wondering about the pros and cons for standard tuners versus split shaft tuners. Take care. Mike in Westchester OH. That's Ohio. Westchester. Thanks, Mike. I love split shaft tuners. They're also known as safety post. Like S A F dash T dash post. Fifties kinda. Yeah, safe, yeah, safety post tuners. Yeah. They were developed, I believe they were developed by Clusen, and they first surfaced on lap steel guitars. Okay, yeah, kind and of then, vertically. And then Fender, uh, when he was looking for tuners to use, for whatever reason, gravitated towards those, but no other really guitar manufacturer was using them other than, um, I've. you only ever see them on old Lap steels, so like old arch tops, old acoustics, nobody has these safety post split shaft tuners until Fender comes along and, and makes it a thing. I've often wondered about the history of this, and every now and then I think about um, compiling a bunch of information and old ads and history and writing an article about it and submitting it to the fretboard journal. Ooh, yeah. Uh, You'd need some beautiful and photographs. Then, and then Jason would say, listen. I got no, nothing. Nobody cares about this, Eric. <laughs> what do you want me to do with Only this? Only you <laughs> would write this. Please don't submit this kind of article to our magazine. <laughs> but I've, I, I've thought about it a lot because um, it is odd, it is unusual that those types of tuners are really only associated with Fender guitars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's not a dumb question. It's a good question because why not? Why not safety post tuners on acoustic guitars? Yeah, unless there's weird licensing or something, which which seems kind of unlikely. Yeah, really unlikely. I, I think that it's just more of an issue of um, Fender was thinking about his electric solid body guitars. He was thinking more about he was thinking of them in terms of lap steels. Yeah, like those white lap steels I yeah. think he made. He was thinking of them in terms of a Spanish style yep. lap steel. Mm-hmm. So he used very, you know, lap steel looking pickups and lap steel looking knobs 
I mean, you, when you look at the Telecaster, it's basically, it looks like the big brother of a lap steel. Yeah, with skinny neck. And yeah. those tuners were associated with lap steels, and they go back to the, I don't know, 30s, 40s, however long ago. And when the, you know, the Hawaiian guitar craze. Oh, yeah. Right? The first electric guitars were uh, lap steels. Yeah, they'd sell them door to door. Yeah. Did you know that? And it was partially a way to sell sheet music. Yeah. All that Oahu and all all those people. So, it's a great question. I don't have an answer for it, but it does remind me that Every few years, I think, oh, I want to. I'm going to write an article about this. Yeah, because I because it's something I want to know. All right, let's keep that on the back burner. Good one. All right, let me try this one. Oh, it's addressed to the Bofus. Hi, Eric and Nat. I was recently looking at a Mexican-made Fender Strat, a player series. You know, one of them litany of them deals. An excellent guitar, I thought. And no slight on the guitar whatsoever, but when a nut is described as being made of synthetic bone, isn't that just plastic? Yeah. Albeit hard plastic? Yep. And why would it be soft plastic anyway? Yeah. 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 Maybe it's a pedantic point or cynicism for its own sake, but calling it plastic is fine by me if that's what it is. <clears throat> Best wishes to you both. Thanks. Yeah. Unattributed. Well, I agree c- just completely. Yeah. Fancy plastic is still plastic. Yeah, bud. And, but they do have all kinds of euphemisms for it, like, uh, you know, synthetic bone, or there's a brand, Tusk. You know, yeah, with a Q or T- something. T-U-S-Q. So it's it's not the tusk of some animal. Yeah, so we know it's artificial and inferior. It's a... Uh, yeah, well, synthetic deal. Synthetic laminated. T- <laughs> and why would it be soft uh, plastic anyway? You know, it better be hard. That's not a yeah. benefit. Yeah, yeah. He's on to something. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, when it comes to, um, well, it's like when the, <clears throat> the, this is this is just it's just marketing is what it is. Yeah, they need bullet points. Yeah, if you buy a cheap upright bass, it won't have an ebony fingerboard. It'll have an Ebonized. Yeah, they gotta have like four or five bullet points for all these. And you know, because it sounds like ebony fingerboard, but it's ebonized. So Mm -hmm. do you know what ebonized fingerboard is? Yeah, they made it darker with some. They painted it black. Yeah. It's been ebonized. Come off on your fingers. Give me a break. All right. I mean, why don't they just, uh, yeah, it's just marketing. That's all. Yeah, he sees through it. All right, let's try another one. Greetings, Eric and Nat. Nat. I hope you mispronounced your I, own name. I did a bad job. Well, I get like three words in. I'm going to try that again. I wish that had a button on it. Greetings, Eric and Nat. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving festivities. Oh, we did. Yeah, man. While I was enjoying mine, I purchased yet another acoustic guitar to fix up from a pawn shop while visiting my dad in Carson, Nevada. I think I got kinfolk over that away. This guitar needs much less work than the 12-string that I mentioned a few episodes ago that I still haven't fixed yet, but I, but also this is a guitar that I think I will really like. Also, while currently unplayable, there's an optimist, it's all stuff I know how to fix. 
It needs a new nut. It has the typical Nevada fret sprout. Oh, I bet. It needs a fret level and also a new saddle. And I'll probably put new tuners on there. After all that, it'll be a really good copy of a Gibson slope shoulder guitar. Oh, ooh, that's nice. Hmm. The one thing I've never done before is repair a top crack. Hmm. A local luthier was kind enough to gift me some scrap soundboard material to use as cleats. But I was hoping you could talk us through the process of repairing and cleating a top crack. It's right down the seam of the book match. Mm. Is that harder? Keep that in mind. And the crack is pr- uh, and the crack is pretty light, so I don't think I need to add a spline of filler material. He said tight. The crack is pretty tight. Oh, I missed it. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, gosh, that's hard. That's a little tiny thing on that T. Mm-hmm. What kind of glue should I use for this kind of repair? How should I repair the cosmetic damage once the repair is fixed? Mm. Looking forward to your answer, and I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Adam in Sonora, California. Thanks, Adam. I'm to the point where cosmetic uh, acoustic cracks, cosmetically, I just leave them. You can try to make them look better, and you can, but, man, if we're talking about a vintage guitar that has a lot of lacquer checking anyway, <clears throat> that crack is going to blend right in. Hard to see. Yeah, and uh, in order to in order to make that crack kind of disappear, you have to build up a little thin strip of some kind of finish and then sand it back and polish it. And in so doing, you lose a lot of the textural um, look to an old finish. Yeah. You know? This guitar, yeah, yeah, this guitar you're talking about, uh, I think, he, I don't know, he says it's a cheap guitar from a pawn shop, right? Yep. He doesn't say what brand. Mm-mm. Yeah. He knows better. Yeah. If it's like a really clean guitar and you want to touch that up, then, oh, okay. You know, that makes a little more sense, but... uh, t- If it's a center seam... A lot of times they'll crack right next to the seam and and not actually it's mm, not actually not the seam the that opens no. up but um so but the uh the process is going to be the same if it's just a tight crack in the top of an acoustic guitar what I will do is uh you can you can work glue into it just by with the pneumatic pressure of running your thumb across the crack with with glue on the crack. So you put... Work it in. You put glue, okay. and then you, you'll you work it. And I like to use a gloved hand, like a vinyl glove, so that I'm not working finger oils and dirt into mm-hmm. the crack. But just the pneumatic pressure, just the pneumatic action of running your finger across the crack with glue on it will actually work glue into that crack. And if you look inside with a mirror and a light you'll actually see glue start to come through the other side. Huh. Yeah. It's like the perfect tool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. So even if it's a super tight crack, you should be able to work glue across the crack and the pneumatic um, action of just working 
your your thumb across the crack will work glue into it. You can use tight bond. If this is a cheap guitar, that's probably what I'd use. Um, you can even, if you're having a hard time getting the tight bond worked into the crack because the crack is so tight, you can actually water down the tight bond just a little bit to make it a little more viscous. Yeah. Uh, I'll use, often I'll use hide glue, hot hide glue if it's an old guitar. And one of the things I like about hot hide glue for a crack is if it ever opens back up, then, uh, new and old hot hide glue will work well together. Where if you glue it with tight bond, you pretty much have to clean up all that old glue before you glue it again, if it ever opens back up. Hmm. So that is one reason to use tight bond, or excuse me, hot hide glue, okay. rather than tight bond. Uh, if it's a center seam, I, you know, oftentimes I won't cleat those because they're not cleated to begin with. Okay, yeah. And there's um, all kinds of braces that cross the grain there. And so uh, oftentimes, if it's literal, if it really is just a center seam, then oftentimes I'll glue it up and clean it up, and I won't cleat it. If it's a crack out where there's some room between the braces, uh, <clears throat> and you can cleat it, I don't know. With cleats, you're adding mass to the top, yeah. and I really like to err on the side of as little as possible. Yep. Obviously, the cleat material, the grain, is going to run the opposite of the grain of the top. Right? Mm-hmm. My favorite cleats lately, um, I've been getting the cleats that TJ Thompson makes. They're featherweight and they're strips, and they're really, really nice. He's got a whole crack uh, repair system where... There's like magnetically aligned calls and stuff for gluing oh. gluing things into place. Yeah, ah. so that's what I use. I use T.J. Thompson's cleats because uh, they're just so dang good. I get them from Stuart McDonald, so that's what I use. And so you'd, but you'd you'd be very likely to make an attempt just on the structural aspect of the braces. Yeah, and just glue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if the if it's a crack that needs to be closed up a little bit, um, you know, oftentimes, so like the, the drying action of the glue will actually suck it closed a little bit. Yeah. So as the glue dries, it'll actually kind of close up a crack. Yeah. But if you, if it's, if you need to pull the crack closed, if you take good fresh uh, masking tape, you can start at one side of the guitar uh, and tape along the top, and then when you get to the crack, pull it tight. And there's there's actually quite a bit of stretch in fresh masking mm-hmm. tape, good quality. Yeah, and pretty good fresh masking too. tape. Yeah. So you pull it, and it'll have some stretch to it. And then tack it down, and then keep on the other side. Yeah, on yeah. the other side. And you'll just put one strip after another right next to each other across the crack, and you'll see the squeeze out. That tape will actually pull the top together, it'll pull that crack closed. Yeah. Yeah. I can visualize it easily. If you go to cleat the crack, 
<clears throat> um, I use magnets to uh, to glue it into place. And there's two things I like about using magnets is one is that you can it helps you visualize where the crack where the where the cleat is, is you know because yeah. oftentimes you're working blind yeah. with your arm inside a guitar and if you've got I'll use double-sided tape and stick it to the back of my cleat and then with a magnet on the crack I can feel the pull of that of that magnet and it'll align the cleat for me pretty much so you have the cleat glued up a little bit. Be careful and yeah. Oh, so there you go. Well, I hope that answers some questions for you. Pretty good little techniques in there. All right, let's try this one. Thanks, Adam in Sonora. That was good. Hi, Eric. I have to say I'm disappointed in the options. See, he likes that bewildering array of options <laughs> when it comes to buying your book. Why no digital download? Is this from a family member? Yeah, someone's getting your goat, man. Surely you have the book in a PDF format. Don't answer that. Oh, jeez. You're not required to answer that. We'll get union representation oh, before geez, we address buddy. that. You could watermark it so that it doesn't get distributed on the line for free. I'm not so sure. And offer it's it It's not going to stop anybody. Yeah, I'm rather skeptical, but, you know, he's got some advice. That's all right. And so you could watermark it. I've, I just did uh, radio air quotes. And offer it for people who don't want to mess around with a hard copy. <laughs> you don't want no messy hard copy all around you. Yeah, what a pain in the butt it I is know, to have man. a book. It's terrible. An antiquated thing like a book. Yeah. Wow. Man, this is hard. Also, the payment options on the website. Why only PayPal. I won't use it. Oh, yeah, man. It took a moral stand. That's cool. I guess I won't get your book, which is a shame because I was looking forward to it. Mike. Well, surely we could work something out Jeez, with the U.S. Mike. Postal Service or whatever. Here, here's an idea, Mike. Oh, well, let's slow down. Hold on. Hold on. We need a cooling off period. How about you just send me an email and say, hey, man, I'm excited about getting your book, but I don't use PayPal. You got any other options? Yeah, figure something out. And then I would say, yeah, send me a check. It's easy. There's other options, Mike. If you really want one, just email me and I'll sell you one. You bet. My goodness. This it, this doesn't have to be rocket surgery here. But uh, well, He's sending up these smoke signals in a rather indirect yeah. way. Something tells me Mike's not actually interested in the book. No, I think he wants it. I don't think he so. He just doesn't want to, I don't know. He figures you're too busy all luthiating and... Making Gibson amp handles and stuff, but... Sure. Let's make another attempt, Mike. That's what I say. Let's mend the fence, Mike. Let's do it. Call me up or shoot me an email and I'll 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 get a book to you. Yeah. It, it won't mess up the it, place too much. It, it'll be easy. Right? But I won't do a digital download because um, it'll just end up all over the internet. It'll man. grow wings, man. Information I, wants I, to be free. I, why would I do that? I don't know. And I thought about doing that initially, but people that are smarter than I am talked me out of it because I don't mm -hmm. really understand. Okay. I'm just a simple country guitar doctor. That settles it. <clears throat> and people said, hey, man, it, all it takes is one guy to post this online and then it's over. Yeah. It's a viral video. Yeah. Right. 
Well, that does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. Such a good episode, wasn't it? Uh, well, oh, there were some cool yeah. questions in there. there. It had moments. It did. It was. It was kind I of haphazard. A feeling was... I'm going to spend the next three hours editing this episode. I hope you will. I'd, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, it, it's rough. Yeah, would it kill you? <laughs> Just this once. Let's edit one. All right. Well, if you want to participate in the show, go to my website. That's ericdaw.com. Click the contact link. Send in your question or comment there. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. That number, once again, is 757-774-8482. Thanks, y'all, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you real soon.